Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 234, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We have a lot to get into. It is now when most of you listen to this, we're basically a day away from the NFL draft. The Cowboys sitting at 24. Jacques was in person. He was there at the Cowboys pre-draft press conference with Stephen, McCarthy, and Jerry. The Mavs are up three games to two. They are headed to Utah with an opportunity to close out what they couldn't do last year, up 3-2, a chance win one of these final two games, and you were going to the second round of the playoffs. A lot of stories in the block, but we started off again by telling you about the Green team, the attorneys, Robert Greening and his team at Greening Law, If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital, if you've been injured on the premises of a business, you need to call the lawyers at Greening Law. They have represented clients from an assortment of cases. They fight that legal battle for you. They become your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. And here's the thing. It doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone, dial the number, and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you guys think? And if they take you on as a client, it's a hell of a day for you because they will work for you. They'll grind for you because they don't collect any fees unless you get paid. So you never have to wonder how hard they're working for you or whether where you are on the priority list. Trust me, all their clients are all at the top of the priority list. Make it happen. It's an easy call. And again, as mentioned, the consultation's free. If you think you've got a case, pick up the phone, give them a call. 972-934-8900. Write it down. Keep it with you. Keep it in your car for when that moment happens. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Cowboys do this every year. They invite the media and they take draft questions leading into the NFL draft, their pre-draft press conference. And you are actually out at the star in person to kind of partake in this There's several things I kind of want to go through. Some of them have to do with the draft. Some of them not so much. One of them, they continue to try and feed us this thing with Randy Gregory. It's like Jerry won't let it go. And and his whole bringing up, well, you know, we, we, we were able to sign two guys. Like instead of one player, we've got two players. And 
it's odd to, and I know they get asked questions about it, but they just will not let that narrative go. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's that whole thing where they've convinced themselves that that's the truth. And so anybody who understands what the, what they're doing and what they've done understands that's not the truth that you fully intended to pay him 70 million over five years with 28 million guaranteed until he balked at the language and you balked at the fact that he balked, given the fact that he was, uh, he's been suspended numerous times. And so the deal fell apart. That's really what happened. Uh, and we all know that's what happened because this other story showed up two or three weeks later. This wasn't the story at the time that it, everything went down. Because, again, Doris Armstrong is a nice player. But according to the Cowboys' own depth chart, he ain't starting. Uh, you know, based on the depth chart they put together right now, Dante Fowler is starting. And he's in, and Dorrance is behind Tank Lawrence. So, Again, do we think that Randy Gregory wouldn't be starting? So come on, man. I love Jerry, but, you know, quit peeing on my head and tell me it's raining. Yeah, and, and they continue to do that. The other thing, when you start looking at this draft, and this is going to be a fascinating draft, one of the things that Steven said, and, and you and I have talked about this, trying to figure out in any given draft the actual number of first-round guys that teams have. Jerry said the Cowboys will have 14 to 16 first round grades on players this year, which is not as much as normal. And so when you're sitting there with the 24th pick, it, it I, I think it may be difficult for the Cowboys unless there's just somebody they absolutely feel like they've got to get to. I am starting to think I'd be shocked if they trade up because of the 14 to 16, because if that's true, you're really trying to get to ahead of 16 which is going to cost you a, a chunk to move up to that spot. The other thing about that is it kind of leads you to the idea that they might not be opposed of trading down because if you don't have that many first-round grades on guys, there's going to be a lot of dudes that are right there that might be on the same tier, as they said. And you back that up with the idea how he talked about how deep they thought that this thing is in rounds three through five and not so much in rounds one and two. No, you're exactly right there, man. It it makes me think that they would prefer to stay put or move back because check this out. If you've moved back, if there's only 14 to 16 first-round picks, and Matt and I have told you about this for weeks and years, that on a good year, there's probably 18 to 20. This is a down year in terms of elite talent and a big year more in terms of uh, you know depth of talent. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they try – if they move back and pick, the, especially if they can pick up a pick in the in the second or if the second round, I don't think there's any doubt that you move back. In the third round, maybe two, it, it makes sense to move back because there's a depth of talent. So you should be able to get one of, there should be four or five guys you like at 24. Mm -hmm. And if they've all got similar grades, you're just like, we fine. We got a lot of holes. We can ride with whoever we get with, whoever we get as opposed to we want particular guy, if yeah. all of that makes sense. Yeah, and again, Stephen's exact quote there is as regards to what it looks like. He says, this is a middle-heavy draft. And he's talking about third to fifth rounds, which they must love since they have multiple fifth-round picks. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they feel like they can move back a few spots. And then again, it depends. Is somebody willing to come up that wants to jump up a little bit? who's available, you know, if Traylon Burks is still there and the other receivers are off the board, is there a team that makes a move that, if the Cowboys don't want them, I'm saying, that would be wanting to jump up to 24 to grab that last receiver or to grab the last whatever it is that's viewed on that tier 
and then the Cowboys can still stay in the first round, fall down a bit, maybe pick up an extra second, another third. Who knows? But this is a fascinating draft. And it, I'm trying to remember, somebody had tweeted out earlier today that they were doing, they were basically taking all the big media people, all their seven-round mocks and putting them together. And normally when, and this kind of alludes to what Will McClay said a few weeks back, is like the McShays of the world and the Kuypers and the Daniel Jeremiah's, the people that do these big-time mock drafts, that there is like 250 different players that they're using when usually there's far less than that. And that kind of gives you the idea, like McClay said, this is a way deeper draft than drafts that you normally go through. And when you have as many holes as the Cowboys have, Unless you're absolutely in love and it's the blinking light at 24, would it make sense to trade down and pick up extra picks in the mid-rounds of this draft because you have a lot of holes to plug? Now, this is just me. I'm only interested in second and third, maybe top of the fourth. And what what that means, obviously, is I'm interested in those top 100 players. Yeah, yeah. Um, after that, like, I ain't interested in picking up another fifth-round pick. Big whoop-de-doo. Uh, yes, because history shows, yeah, those guys can help you on special teams. Perhaps you can get a Cedric Wilson or, or a Donovan Wilson or a um, whatever our safety was for a couple of years out of there from La Tech. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's a dartboard. And, and scouts, honest scouts, scouts who are not self-absorbed will tell you that. You know, after the third or fourth round, it's a dartboard and you're looking at specific skill sets and traits that you hope can be developed and translated into into uh, real contributors. So that's my way of saying, yeah, I don't mind trading down if I can collect an extra second or an extra third or an extra pick at the top of the fourth, but I ain't trying to move too much past those top 100 players. Yeah, see, and that's where this gets really interesting to me. It's just looking at everything. And again, Jerry, of course, is the guy. I mean, even when Steven said they've got 14 to 16 first-round grades, Jerry goes, we're always chumming, always, talking about there could be a desire to move up. And then you look at Steven, and everything that I kind of took away that Steven said, talking about there's not a lot of guys with the first-round draft grade. They believe this is a middle-heavy draft. He even has this quote, I don't think we have any musts going into this draft. It makes me feel like he's painting the picture that they are very interested in trading down. Oh, I don't think uh, there's, well, let me put it like this. I think the opportunity to trade down is a lot more than the opportunity to move up. Yeah. Moving up costs a lot to where they need to go, probably. Trading down, you're getting getting bang for your buck. And so it's... um, it's not the same deal. You should be able to trade down a lot easier than trading up. The flip side of that, though, bro, is what? What if everybody wants to trade down? Then it's harder to trade down. And, you know, you can't sit up there and go, ho, 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 hey, we the Dallas Cowboys. Only we realize the draft is really heavy <laughs> I mean, and everybody is saying and this. I mean, come on. Ground. So we'll let everybody else move up. <laughs> We'll move down and get them all and win the Super Bowl, Matt. <laughs> now you sound like Jerry, who said he's not willing to concede that by the time they get to the playoffs this coming year, we won't be every bit the team that we had going into the playoffs last year. You know my response to that. Whatever, though. I was like, my God, man. I love it. I love the hope you keep trying to push. I will say this. I think there is going to be a couple of teams. I don't know that anybody's going to be wanting to jump in at 24. 
I think right. teams are going to be like they're talking about 14 to 16. I think there will be some teams, and, and this is where we'll, Cowboys fans will probably get irritated. The Chiefs and the Packers, to me, are two teams, that I, especially the Chiefs, who have done it before, who have been aggressive, and who love speed. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs are a team that go, who cares? We don't need these two picks. Give them both, and let's jump up to 13 with Houston and go get Jamison Williams and go get some more speed or something like that. Okay, see, now let me tell you, that makes sense to me. Why? The Chiefs probably look at their team and their roster and go, we need to win the championship now. We've been, right. we should have, you know, we've been the team of the last five or six years. We probably, they probably have the best record in the NFL over the last five or six years, and they got one title to show for it. So they are the team that's probably like, one title is great. But we need another. I mean, we're going to feel unfulfilled if we don't get another one out of this group of talent, right. this core we've got, this quarterback we've got. So if we can go get trade two for one and get to the top of the draft and go get a dude who can help us win this year, let's go get that dude. Yeah, and whoever James they Williams want. Yeah, could be their new version of Tyreek Hill. See, and I wonder that with the Packers too. I mean, the Packers they've got the Aaron Rodgers window, which is what two, three more years. They're already kicking his cap hit down the road. I, I wondered about a team like that with the Debo Samuel move. If you're looking at that, why not take those two first-round picks if that's what the 49ers want? Do you feel you can get somebody in the 20s that can be as good as what Debo Samuel is going to be in the next couple of years when you're really trying to win this thing if you're Green Bay? That's a great question. See, I, I think deep. See, the thing about Debo Samuel is you know exactly who and what he is in an outlier offense like San Francisco. Bro, if you ain't ready to take that playbook and make it part of your offense and do all those types of things and the same commitment, check this out, bro. Commitment to practice time so that you can execute it and commitment to game time and calling it, then you are just wasting money. Because if you get him, you want the Debo Samuel package. You know what I mean? You yeah. just don't want the wide receiver. What I mean, he he's always been a pretty solid, you know, pretty good wide receiver. Nah, bro, what made him special was, oh, we finna video game this dude. And for that, those of you who don't play a lot of Madden, that means you're playing video games and you say, hey, Debo Samuel, he lines up in the slot, he lines up out wide, we put him in backfield. And a few years ago, the guy you were playing go, you can't do that, man. Wide receivers don't carry the ball like that. You, you, you cheating, man. Play the game the right way. And you go, in our offense. We put Debo Samuel in the backfield feed him the ball, too. Well, now you can video game him. Nobody can say shit because that's how San Francisco does it. And, um, you know, I heard an interesting conversation. which was kind of a uh, an exit ramp for another conversation down the road, Matt. Kid, the way the game has changed, don't you wonder how some other guys like Percy Harvin would fit in in today's oh, NFL? Yeah. Or? Assuming he stayed healthy, for sure, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, guys – who had been, who had, you know, what if Rocket Ismail played in today's NFL? You know, and instead of making him an outside receiver, he was a slot guy and he was a reverse guy and he was this and that. You know, it just made me think about all the, how the game has changed and how sometimes you can be before your time. Well, I mean, all you got to do to for that is a guy who's kind of been in the league for a while that Atlanta figured out how to use last year maybe better than anybody has in Cordero Patterson. You know, he, he'd been a really dynamic returner. And then all of a sudden last year, I mean, in his career, he might have had like 50 carries in a season before. And then last year, the Falcons give him 150 carries. 
and threw at him 70 times. And all of a sudden, he just was like doing all kinds of different things. Had, I think he had like 1,200 combined yards from scrimmage and not as explosive as a Debo Samuel, but we're talking about a guy who at 30 years old, somebody creative enough offensively to go, hey, this guy could do that. No, man, that's what it's all about. It's uh, it's about finding ways to be creative within the game and get – it's either one of two things, bro. It's get the ball in the hands of your best players or it's get the ball in the hands of your um, – of the guys who can make the biggest difference. And they're not always the same play. Actually, I mean, it's to create mismatches. So you either want the ball in the hand of your best player or you want to kind of create the kind of mismatch where you're not a great player, but you're matched up against somebody who can't cover you, so that makes you a great player on this particular play. And the thing about when you have Debo Samuel or, you know, what's his face, uh, I'm having an old man moment. Patterson. just told me, number 88 yeah. for the Falcons. Uh, even though they were on the field, when they break the huddle and they're in the huddle and you're doing personnel to match up, the problem is do we match up with them as a passing play or do we match up with them as a running play? Because if he shows up in the backfield, now you're outmanned. Mm-hmm. We'll see, but I think those are two teams that I would say to watch out for as far as moving up in the draft because they've got especially the Chiefs. I actually, I, I honestly really believe that the Chiefs make a lot of sense in a trade with a team like a Houston or maybe even like the Jets who are not trying, they, I think, understand where they're at. The Texans would probably love to have more picks in this draft. And the Chiefs have two picks in the first, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth. They're a team that has a lot of draft capital. If they want to, they could make a big jump up to get an explosive receiver, a guy like that. And, and I'll be curious to see if Green Bay does as well. But as far as it pertains to the Cowboys, I really feel like because this is such a deep draft re- with receivers, unless they just are in love with Traylon Burks, and they did bring him in for a pre-draft visit, I wonder if, it really is starting to shape up where I feel like Devin Lloyd, there's a good chance he might be there at 24 or one of the guards. And then in the second round, I really think that the receivers that are going to be available there in the second round are receivers that the Cowboys could probably enjoy, you know, even like a John Mechie from Alabama, who you don't need to walk in and be a stud immediately, but you need somebody that has shown that he can do some things at an elite level so I think it, it it just feels like that's where this thing is headed on Thursday night. So who do you like out of that group? Because if you tell me the – now, this again, this is just your boy. And you know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about just philosophical differences. Like, it doesn't mean somebody's right or wrong. It just means you have a philosophical difference. Like, I would – every day of the week and twice on Sundays, my mom used to say, I will take Lloyd – over a guard because I just don't think guards impact the game on a play-by-play basis the way other positions do, including the one that he plays. I'm kind of in the same way with you, and I'm also thinking the there's always the guys that are at the top of the draft as far as offensive linemen outside of center. Generally speaking, if there is a guard worth taking, he goes well before 24. And you start looking at it, and you can pick up offensive linemen who do things in the course of their career, and it doesn't have to be in the first round necessarily. 
And so, I mean, you can get a solid guy. I was was looking at this actually earlier today, and like Isaiah Wynn, who the Patriots took a few years ago, and he's one of their tackles, and they got him at 23. And Isaiah Wynn's kind of one of those guys where it's not like he sucks. He's a solid guy. You can plug him in on the offensive line, but I also feel like you could have gotten that guy in for agency, or you could have gotten that guy even in like the third round that can kind of do some of like the level of offensive lineman that he is anyway. No, dude, I'm, what I'm, you're exactly right. What I'm talking about is I just don't, I don't want to spend a first round pick. I'm basically, basically just a guy at guard. Cause remember, what did we just get through saying, man? There's 14 to 16 first round picks mm-hmm. in this, in this draft. So the dude, the guard that you getting at 24, what are the odds, Matt? You think that that guy got a first round grade on him? None. Okay, thank you. That was my answer. <laughs> <laughs> like the so, odds are zero. I mean, so you're not now. Let's 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 do a real comparison. Like when they took Zach Martin at 14, what were the odds that he had a first round grade on him? Probably a hundred percent. Right, because that's where they picked him. That's where they took him. And for a guard to get taken that high, yeah, he got to be that guy. Right. So I'm not interested in taking a second-round graded player in the first round at a position that I can probably, no, I can go out on the street, listen to me, y'all, and go get Joe Looney to come in for a year and just be average. Okay? So if Devin Lloyd is there or a real first-round player is there, or a guy who's going to have a bigger impact, Traylon Burks or one of the receivers, because I keep telling y'all, you're a high ankle sprain away from James Washington being your number one dude in September. And that, my friends, is a disastrous thought. So give me the better player on the perimeter. Did y'all hear that? Give me the better player on the perimeter in the first round. I don't really care what position. I'm happy. Left tackle, pass rusher, defensive end. You know, difference-making linebacker. I'm yeah. good. Give me a guy who scores touchdowns or prevents touchdowns in the first round. I'm good. Unless we're talking legitimate first-round grade for a guard or a center, uh, et cetera. Yeah, and, and I really think, uh, again, because there's so many different options and intriguing options that are going to be available for them where they pick in the second round at 56 at receiver – I mean, even if they want to take a risk on a guy that's got a couple of red flags like George Pickens, there's some smaller school guys that have a lot of upside that people are all about. Like that dude from North Dakota State that I, like all of a sudden is just like everywhere. I'm just trying to remember what the hell that guy's name is. Sky Moore is the other small school guy. Oh, Christian Watson. That's who it is. Christian Watson, who's supposed to be like a high second rounder. But, you know, like a John Mechie, there's so many options that if you want that I think are going to be available for them at wide receiver in the second round. I think they're going to walk away. I'm actually excited to where they're going to walk away from on Friday night. I think they'll be able to pull three guys that will be solid players that will all think. I don't think it's going to be one of those drafts that they taco Charlton the thing, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Taco Charlton came because they panicked and they went away from their board. I mean, they just panicked and, and passed on some other opportunities. Why? Because like, we got to have a defensive end. And so I, I just don't think they're at that point anymore. I think you can just go find a player um, who can play, bro. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, go find a dude who can play. And they've been able to do that. I mean, think about it. Yeah, CD fell to him, and nobody thought that. But let's all remember, Michael Gallup was a third round pick. And I don't think a lot of us, when they drafted Michael Gallup, were all gung-ho about Michael Gallup. He was built nice. He had a couple of nice years, but it was doing it at Colorado State. And Michael Gallup has been a solid number two wide receiver. Now, granted, they've got to find somebody. They're going to have to. It feels like they have to come out of this with a wide receiver in the first three rounds. But outside of that, you know, linebacker, offensive lineman, linebacker, edge. I'm actually excited about this draft. I I think we're going to like... Their first three picks, dude. I think um, I think you're right, but you know when you get to the here's all I'm saying, because I would want to I would want to pull the trigger on a receiver earlier, and here's why: first and second round, you're really expecting cats to come in and play. Third round, you're you're hoping they can be a contributor and come in and play right away, big times. Um, and so what I'm saying is that receiver you get. There don't need to be no question marks about whether he can come in and play. And if you wait to the third round, you might get lucky and get Michael Gallup, who is actually pretty good as a rookie. Or you might get a traditional third-round receiver who needs a little time to groom. And frankly, your Dallas Cowboys ain't got a little time. They need to go now. They do need to go now. So... It's going to be a fascinating draft. I really think it is. But every time we do these mocks and all the mocks that I've been looking at, guys that do this, the range of players that's available at each of their first three selections, even if they don't move, if they just sit right where they're at, I think we're going to be excited about whoever they walk away with. Is it going to be a Micah Parsons-level impact guy? Maybe not. But I feel like there is the opportunity to have something very solid that can contribute that's not a bust. Now, that granted... Kelvin Joseph, who knows what the hell comes of that guy. But even like Tristan Hill a couple years ago, when we're all going like, God, really, Tristan Hill? That's the guy you pick? It just feels like that it's not going to be one of those drafts where we're pissed off about the selection when there were three other guys we would have liked. Right. I think that's the key. And I mean, for the most part, the Cowboys have been a really good drafting team over the last few years, basically since Will McClay took over. Uh, Todd Archer, who we'll talk to later, had a stat at the uh, press conference where he said since Will McClay took over, I think it was 75% of their players have been from Power 5 schools where in the previous eight years, uh, 52 or 56% had been from Power 5 schools. Um, And see, that makes sense to me because Will was like, if you've done it at the highest level, it just makes everything. uh, Because I asked him about this one day, and he was telling me, if you've played at a Power 5 school, it makes the, as you would expect, Matt, it makes the transition to the NFL easier. And yeah. you would think, you would think he's talking about on the field. He's talking about on the field, in the meeting rooms. He's talking about in the weight room because, you know, at Power 5 school, those strength and conditioning coaches are madmen. They're probably tougher than they are at the, uh, at the NFL level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's also talking about, check this out, Matt. Even playing in front of, if you play in the SEC, then you play in front of 100,000 people every week or and 90,000 people every week. Yeah. Some of the most hostile environments ever. So most NFL stadiums, believe it or not, are more like 65 to 75,000. So the crowd don't matter to you because you've been playing at Tuscaloosa, you've been playing at Georgia, you've been playing in the big house, wherever. You've been playing Texas OU game. If you come from a place that gets 2,500, 
I mean, 25,000 or 18,000, that can take a minute to just adjust to just that. So he's saying all those reasons are why we'll take a power five guy over a small school guy every single time, unless the small school guy plays like he's a Greek God at that school. Which makes sense. And I've always, since they started that philosophy, I, I am a big fan of that. Cause I agree. There's a reason why the, the, the roster depth at power five schools is bigger, stronger, faster. It just is. The depth of roster is just not the same. And so I think all that stuff that you talk about, it all comes into play with that, which makes a lot of sense. It doesn't guarantee that you're not going to bust out, but I think it does make that transition a little bit easier. And again, lowers the bust rate. Right. And it's, it's the whole, well, you you, they, Tom Brady's a six rounder. Oh, okay. So go draft your starting quarterbacks and name me the next one. And it will, uh, uh, yeah, okay, so again, the outliers happen. Well, Jerry Rice didn't go to Alabama, you know. (laughs) Awesome, so what? I mean, that's the thing is, you know, anytime you have conversations like this, the people want to bring up the one random-ass guy that nobody else thought was going to be that thing either. Dude, it happens, bro. Nobody's perfect, but... uh, You got to play probabilities, and and, and that's, I think, like when you do something as random-ass as drafting, I, you got to play probabilities. Like, whatever, okay, this is the model from this level of school, and probability, is there a chance he's going to bust? Yeah, but the greater probability is that there's at least a c- contributor here. Well, check this out, bro. This is what um, um, Bill Parcells used to say. And when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. You just have to, under, you just have to put it into play, into practice. And what he used to say is, yes, you can have an outlier. He was... If I remember correctly, and y'all know how long ago this was, we were talking about that win. The Cowboys linebackers like 5'10", 240 or whatever. But Parcells once called him a football-playing dude. Um, he said, you can have an outlier like that win, but if you're not very careful and very regimented, you don't want to look up and have a team full of outliers because that'll get you beat. You know, because at a certain point, dog, bigger's going to beat smaller every single time. Faster's going to beat slower every single time. And so if you got a bunch, that's why they have prototypes, man. Yeah, no, um, you're exactly right. Dude, that's why they got them for high school to college. I mean, high school players got to have, if you're not, and you know, my son played at DeSoto. If you're not 6'2", 220, as a high school senior linebacker, dog, you better be, you better be like Mr. Universe making tackles. Because they're like, you don't even fit the prototype, dog. So, because when you get to college, you're going to turn 6'2", 220. Hopefully, it goes into 6'3", 245, 250. And so, you just don't have the frame to do it. And, you know, it's prototypes, bro. There are. It, it, it's much like snacking. You, you want the prototypical, kick-ass, amazing snack. You want Bruce Biltong. I mean, bruised biltong. We talk about first-round grades. You guys will eat this, and you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. As a matter of fact, did you see somebody had sent us a picture earlier today that they finally got it? I was trying to scroll through and find out who it was again. Sent us a picture with his bag of biltong. Here it is. It was Danny. Danny Henderson got my biltong, and it's pretty good. I'm telling you guys, man, it is very good. It's at bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Anytime you place an order, even if you've tried it before and you want to try one of the different ones they have, make sure you use the promo code JAM15 and it's 15% off all the time 
for jam session listeners dude it's um it's fantastic man it's the, one of the best snacks i have and i like it y'all know man i'm trying to work out you're always trying to eat as much protein as your as your body weight if you're trying to gain some good lean muscle mass and that 30 pounds of protein it packs in that two ounce bag baby that is right on time a couple of those a day and you're well on the way to the 200 grams of protein I need to eat on a daily basis to do what I do. So I love it. And the slice built time, that's how I get down, bro. Yeah, it's delicious. Make it happen again. Snack bags, bigger samples. I mean, they've got it all, and I think you're going to love it. It's just like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's better. It's more savory. It's more tender. It's a traditional air-dried South African meat. It is Biltong online at brewsbiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 when you check out to get 15% off your order. Also, of course, Freeway Tire Shop. If you guys haven't swung by Freeway Tire Shop yet, I don't know why. You can meet Jacques because he's always there. He takes all of his cars over to JR and his guys. The mechanic you can trust at FreewayTireShop.com for whatever it is because you've had, I mean, you've done oil changes, you've done rotations, you've done inspections, you've done crazy serious engine work. JR's basically done everything to your cars. Dude. Well, I've got six of them, so he's uh, he's handled most of them. Um, I'm going to get a, uh, ins- I, I just went and got an inspection sticker in an oil change the other day. Um, JR is great, man. The customer service is great, and doesn't matter whether you're Jacques Taylor or Matt McLaren or somebody who listens to the show who comes in. Uh, he's going to treat everybody the same, and you're going to get the trust from him as a mechanic uh, that you just can't get it anywhere else, bro. And, you know, I trust him because he diagnoses a problem all the time. And I trust them because they use quality parts. And that's a big deal, man. You use quality parts, you don't have the same problem time after time after time. I trust them to give me a fair price. I told you, I got some tires probably about two months ago from my dude's Challenger. JR's price was $125 better with two tires. That's just facts right there, brother. And that wasn't no JJT hookup. That was just facts. And then I trust the man to guarantee his work. The dude is phenomenal, man. You know, if he weren't a mechanic and he were a fine woman, and I wasn't married, I'd marry him. All right. <laughs> did, I, did I put enough qualifiers in there? You did. Find perhaps the love of your life at Freeway Tire Shop. <laughs> Online, freewaytireshop.com. So let's take this trip around the block as we like to do. We got a fun, stuff, like a few little things to get into here. First off, another reminder that our, our post-draft podcast will drop a little late. But you will get it Friday morning. It just, if you wake up at 4 like Jacques does or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., it's not going to be there for you. We'll probably have it wrapped up and ready to go sometime 9, 9.30 because I am flying. It's the craziest trip. I mentioned this the other day, but just wanted to remind everybody. We will have a podcast for you post-round one. It will drop on Friday morning. It just will not be early on Friday morning, so just be aware of that it's coming it will be there eventually i will tell you it's because uh one of my very very good friends of all time his father passed away very unexpectedly Uh, unfortunately at a very like what i think is a very young age in his mid-60s nobody saw coming and so i am going to the funeral i'm flying into dallas on wednesday night flying back to birmingham on thursday night and I got to tell you, man, he asked me, I talked to him yesterday and he asked me if I would be a pallbearer for his, his dad's casket, which I thought was really cool. I have never been a pallbearer before. Uh, nor have I. I've never even been asked. 
And I like How part you feel about that. I, well, again, it's a thing. Feel honored that he would consider me for that. I thought to be just included in the service is something, you know, we, I mean, we've been friends since we were young in high school, like even before high school. And so one of my lifelong best friends were very close, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I literally earlier today, I Googled, you know, Paul bearer responsibilities. Cause I know you carry it, you know, but I was like, is it one of those where you hoist it up on your shoulder? Do they have like a handle where we all just kind of, you know, we all bend down all right on three and we all lift it. And I don't know. Right, right, right. I don't know how it works, but so what are the rules? It just depends on apparently like the funeral home will go through it with you. And then I was like, well, how much does it weigh? I was like, I mean, surely it'll be okay. And you know, I, but I don't know. I, cause I have no concept of, of what that will be like. And obviously like a casket can weigh however much. And then the normal average human body that would go in it, say it's a couple hundred pounds plus the casket. I mean, these things can weigh a few hundred pounds that you're lifting, but you're lifting it with five other people. Usually what the reality is I'm being serious here. That's why they have six people doing it. Right. Yeah. Because it's so it's not light. Yeah. It's not light and make sure. And and it's, it's also one of those things that can be a little cumbersome just in terms of, you know, how, how it's set up. So, uh, well, you know, it's good that you're there for your boy. Yeah, it is. And that's a uh, that's a big thing. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because one of our other friends, he asked him if he would do the service because he does uh, he preaches sometimes and and does stuff. So he is going to do the service. So we're both kind of involved, and you know, it's interesting because we've all known each other since we were like 13 years old. So it's just one of those things right. in life, man. That it's just wild, but. Hey, man, I say all the time, and I, I mean in all seriousness, the circle of life is a motherfucker. Yeah. You know, because somebody in his family, Nick's family, will be having a baby sometime in the next year, be it an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, somebody, you know, their family will add a baby. And it's that's just how life works, man. I mean, it's my family, dude. My Literally, my youngest brother, Mark, his wife is due on Friday. Yeah. Is her due date, and you know my aunt that recently passed away a, a couple of months ago, and then, you know, here it is with a new baby, a new life, a, a new child yeah, coming into the world, and, and a granddaughter, and, and a niece for me. It's wild, dude. That's uh, I mean, it's it's the good and bad of life, man. But you can't have one without the other. That is very it's true. Work like that way, as you say, and as the Lion King taught us, it's the circle of life. Bro, I'm going to tell you something. And I want your word that you won't judge me. Okay. You've never seen The Lion King. Okay, I saw it for the first time last week. Last week? (laughs) Why did you randomly watch Lion King last week? I just saw I saw something somewhere. Like, did you see the original or the remake, like, one? Bro, you got to understand, man. I heard about The Lion King. I've seen snippets of it. I never sat down and watched it start to finish. And uh, something last week triggered me. I can't remember what it was, but this happens to me quite a bit. Like something will trigger me on a, on a story and yeah. I'll immediately leave the story and go do a Google search and go down a rabbit hole for an hour. Well, something triggered me about the Lion King. And I said, why the fuck have it? Oops, I didn't mean to curse right there. Why haven't I seen this movie? I go, you know what? Bleep it. I'm going to watch this thing right now. I've got time. Okay. I'm just going to watch it. It was pretty damn good, man. 
I'm sitting there watching it go. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see why why it has staying power. When it won, why it won all these awards. It's, it's pretty Scar. damn good. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching it going, Scar, you're just such an asshole, man. Yeah. I mean, God, dude, you're just an a hole. So no, it was it was a good time. Did you see the the original animated one that came out in the '90s? Because they just had re released it where they had updated it all. But no, that's the one I'm talking about. That's the one I watched. Which one? The original? Original? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because it's the exact same movie, but one of them just looks, I mean, like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, my God, I feel like I'm watching real animals here. Like, yeah, this now, is amazing. It seemed like it came out in 1994. It did, yes. Now, this is all I'm going to say, bro. You got to realize, because this is how my life was going. In 1994, at the time, it was probably the busiest professional career of my life. I'd only been to Morning News for two years. Mm. And I was moving into the position where I could think about, let me see, I started covering the Cowboys in 95. So this was a year before. And so the reason I got to cover the 95 Cowboys, and that's where I started my rise, yeah. I'm, I'm being serious here, was because I was kicking ass taking names in 94, which meant the Lion King probably came out. And I was like, who the hell got time to go to the movies? There are stories, because I was covering high schools. There's, there's something every season all year long. And uh, and I was married at the time, so whatever free time you got, you gotta you gotta be with your wife. Otherwise, that's not gonna last. Now it didn't last anyway. But hell, I didn't know that in '94. Yeah. So I'm sure that's why I missed it. And then as it went on, you know, I'm 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 in the heart of covering the Cowboys, and so it's all football all the time. Not that I didn't have no life, but the Cowboys was such a significant chunk of my life, especially at that time when I'm building a career and trying. Uh, to be the best in the country, no cap. Um, there just wasn't a lot of time for the frivolity of watching a cartoon movie. Understandable. My- Fair enough. Now, you know what's really interesting about The Lion King is it won a couple of Oscars. It was not nominated for Best Picture because everybody always thinks it was, but it wasn't. I thought it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't. was not nominated for Best Picture. Beauty and the Beast actually was the first ever animated film to be nominated for be- for Best Picture in 91 i want to say but you know it did win can you feel the love tonight won best original song and seems like it must have won like best animated film or whatever they put out at the time best original score at one as well so those were the two that it won so yeah lion king is a solid movie i mean i'm not a big animated film guy anymore I don't know what it is. Like cartoon movies don't really move the needle much for me. Like somebody today is like, oh, have you seen the the animated Spider-Man's the best one? Like Spider-Man, Spider-Verse or whatever that came out a couple right. years ago. And I was like, nah, I haven't seen it. They're like, oh, you got to watch it. It's incredible. I was like, I'm just not a cartoon movie guy. Yeah, it's not me. It's not my thing. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I just, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of Spider-Man, we watched the new Spider-Man No Way Home literally last night it's about two and a half hours long and i got ripped at work today because i was talking about this i thought it sucked i thought the first hour was trash really i was like we almost turned it off and then finally it started to pick up and got into the story where i started to give a crap about it and it actually ended up being really good like the last hour and maybe hour and a half but dude like the first 45 minutes to an hour i was like this is horrible really what was so bad it was cheesy. It was stupid. The reason why things were happening made no sense and was dumb. It was like they were trying too hard, and it took them too long to get into what the movie was going to become. I mean, they could have cut out 45 minutes easy. 
<laughs> oh, too much, uh, too much detail. They took the, the uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne route, huh? I guess, man. But I just thought, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree. Oh, you're that's you're so wrong. I was like, I'm telling you, man. I can sit there. You could sit and watch that movie with me. I'm like, this is dumb. This is dumb. The whole reasoning behind this is dumb. Makes no sense. He wouldn't do this. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then finally, when they got Doctor Strange a little bit more involved to where more of the multiverse was opening up, it started to get to a point where it's like, okay. But I mean, I, I don't know. I thought, my God, and, and I will say like Thor Ragnarok, I think is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. My brother loves it and think I'm an idiot for thinking that movie sucks. Oh, see, I think, let me see the movie. Okay, I was watching the series. Okay, so yeah, the movie might suck. I haven't seen a movie. But I'm just saying, man, I mean, there there's some of those that I just, uh, I don't know what to tell you. That, that sometimes just because they make a lot of money and they blow up a lot of stuff and they can be fun at times doesn't mean the whole movie is worth the crap. True that. You get no argument over here. Bro. Like everybody is always like, oh, the Avengers movies are amazing. Not all of them are amazing. Some of them are not that good. It's True just that. reality, True. man. I don't know how else to explain that to you. The other thing I have here for you, and I think by now everybody is familiar that probably, not probably, this is my favorite social media platform. I use it every day on end. Twitter has been purchased by Elon Musk. For $44 billion, he says he's going to take it private, and he also says he wants to open it up for free speech, reduce ads, open up its algorithm, add an editing tool, increase user verification, and tamp down on spam bots, which I got to tell you, man, I mean, all those things, if he can figure out a way to get all those things done, I, I don't. those are good things to me. Yeah, but I don't, I don't believe that. Um, and here's why. Now, this is just me. All right. I don't believe that because anytime rich people take over something and he's the richest man in the world, I believe it is. I just think it's. Oh, he's by far the richest man in the world. That it's just going to be a, it's going to become a platform for for um, I don't know. I don't know. Whenever you say more free speech at one level, that's good. It really is. I mean, I'm a journalist. I'm all about free speech. But, you know, there's also, especially on Twitter, man, there comes some hate stuff. And, and even bigger than the hate stuff is the well-known lies that, uh, you know, politicians and everybody else tell. I don't know, man. It seems like it's on its way to being a bigger cesspool. Now, maybe that won't affect me because I really only hang out in the sports realm. Mm. And that's a, that's, a, that's a big, that's more like a sweats pond. What do you call it? A uh, cesspond, not a cesspool. Yeah, now he did go on Twitter about an hour ago to clarify what he meant by free speech. And he says, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask the government to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. So that is that's, fine. that's how he defines free speech and what he means by that. Now, I, I will say I'm, I'm all for an editing tool on Twitter. I think it'd be awesome because sometimes you make a typo and you don't realize it and you send yeah. it and you go back and you're like, you'd have to delete your original tweet or keep it and be like, so I, I missed, I said the wrong number or I mentioned the wrong name. This is what I meant. And you can't edit it. I also think it will be great if they verify people more and you get rid of people who are using like ghost accounts almost in a way or troll like, accounts. 
I think everybody ought to be verified. Yeah, like to me, you should have to go through a process like say it's who you are, essentially. Like stop yeah. being able to hide behind something where you can just attack people and do this crap. And then cutting out on a lot of the spam bots too would be phenomenal. I'd also like to see them add like a video feature because you know how like you can do Instagram live. Why can't there be a right. Twitter live where you can just click a button on Twitter and you can go live where there's a live video feed to people who follow you if they want to jump on. Now they're doing some more of that, bro. Uh, it's uh, and you should probably look into this. Uh, it's called Twitter for Professionals, and they got more tools on there that you can use if it's something you're, that you're interested in. Um, probably about three months ago. Now y'all know me, man. I got a, uh, I do a lot of thinking. I'm I'm a Capricorn, but I also got a lot of Libra in me, so I do a lot of weighing the odds thinking. I I bought this app probably about four or five months ago, Matt, for two ninety nine. You know, it's kind of expensive in the app world, but it's called Twitter Blue. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have heard of Twitter Blue, yes. And I debated whether to get it, but I got tired of my fat fingers having typos. And so I got it. And so it has a feature that allows you to edit your tweets. Yeah. Uh, And a couple other cool little things that I mess with. Um, And so I deem it worthy the, the $2 expenditure I made. Ooh. I don't know, man. I might have lied to you. This thing might be $2 a month. It's $3.99 it's $3 a month. It's $2.99 a month. Okay. Well, I deemed it worth the, the cost of a beer Interesting. a month to, uh, to, uh, to eliminate the typos. And I did it, and this is a little self-indulgent, but I did it as a journalist because if you're, there's always a small number of people who want to take a shot and make some comment every time you have a typo. Yeah. And as a journalist, I just got sick of saying, oh, I'm sure you're perfect in what you do or just having to deal with those people. And so it's not so much an editing feature as the way I have it set up is once I send a tweet, I have 20 seconds to look at it and figure out if I need to. Oh, there's a typo. Boom. Let me fix it right quick until it goes out. And I can make it go out quicker if I want to. But I have that 10, 15, 20 seconds. You can set a timer to uh, give you time to read it one more time. Yeah, I've seen that before. And, and, you know, Twitter's interesting to me because I got to say, like, I honestly don't know if I wasn't in this realm if I would use Twitter. Like, I don't follow celebrities. I don't follow any politicians. I mute most of that crap. And most of it is just because it's not that, you know, well, you should hear what other people have to say. Like, I follow news sources. I mean, I follow a variety of news sources, but politicians, to me, are different. Like, they'll just, however they want it to be. You know, I've muted a lot of people on here. Anything that I see as attacking or that I don't like it, it's in a negative, just being negative, I just mute it or block it and get rid of it. Yeah, I'm probably in that. I I define it as, um, you know, same reason I don't watch local news most of the time. I just very protective of what I put in my spirit on a regular basis because you'd be shocked at how that can just affect you. Uh, and I said, because one of the students in my class asked me, and I'll ask you, did you read the story ESPN had maybe a week ago about the uh, the serial killer and murderer at uh, or rapist, serial rapist and murderer at uh, Penn State? No, I didn't read that. No. Well, see. It's gotten great reviews, and a couple of my students said, oh, it's a, fa- it's a terribly sad story, but it's a fantastically written story and reported story, blah, blah, mm. blah. They said, have you read it? I go, no, because I just, I just wasn't interested in putting that evil in my spirit right now. 
Like I'm in, a, I've been in a pretty good mood. The weather's been great. I yeah. just didn't feel like hearing about a serial rapist and then a serial killer and how he ruined these people's lives and all this other stuff. I was like, I just didn't feel like having that in my spirit, and so I just let it go. Yeah, there's a lot of that for me, and and it's uh, it's not worth it. People get so irritated and so wound up and pissed off at people that they don't even know that whatever they say to you really doesn't matter. It's just not worth exposing yourself to it. And I really like Twitter because it's a great way to go back and forth with a variety of people, especially with what we do and, and being on the radio and things of that nature where you can have kind of like a little bit of back and forth with people who are listening to you, which I think is great, assuming that it's like a back and forth that you would have with a normal human being and a normal human interaction. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, exactly. like again, like if you were just hanging out somewhere and somebody came up to you in public, they wouldn't say some of the things that people will say on social media. So if you're going to use social media to do that crap, I'm just going to mute you. I'm not going to pay attention. Just yeah, like in, right. in person, I would just be like, oh, okay, cool. And I would just walk away from you. No, you got to, uh, you know, I mean, most people don't follow this rule, but, you know, you really shouldn't say anything on Twitter that you wouldn't say to somebody's face. Yeah, that's the uh, thing. And most people just violate that rule. And uh, there's so many people who just, you know, they just say things, you know, damn well, they never say to your face. Yep. And those are people that I want to choke. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, because no, what serious, are you doing? <laughs> right. Like, you would just never say that to me. I had one guy. And this to me was the all timer. He said something crass to me on Twitter and I responded and he said something like, yeah, I saw you walking in the hotel the other day like you were Mr. Big Shot. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, so you saw me. You had this on your heart and you chose not to speak. Yeah. That's all I need to know about you. <laughs> Pretty much, man. And then, you know. And then I proceeded to block him. Like my block list is seven hundred and forty-three. Yeah. See, and I just mute people because then they think I that who knows that I see what they say and they just probably keep saying it and I never do, which I think is funny. Yeah, there there are benefits to both. I mean, I have a long mute list too. Um, but you know, like I said, I and you know, some people, oh, you shouldn't be sensitive. You should just let people say whatever. I said, oh, no, I wouldn't let people just talk to me whatever way. So, no, no, see, yeah, and that's the this. thing. Is it, it becomes one of those things like, oh, like some of it I just ignore and I'm like cool with or whatever. But sometimes like people just keep on and keep on. You're like, this is just not worth it. Like, I don't care. Yeah, or you know, you can <laughs> I say. I mean, it's my like, Twitter, well, you know. I mean, dude, do you know how I many people don't understand that? Like, dude, this is my platform, my forum. I can say whatever I want to say. It, yeah, man, uh, it, it goes back to what what life do you want to live? What experience of life do you want to have? You can have the experience you want to have. Like, I don't, exactly. just because, I, like, I don't owe it to anybody. Like, oh, you get to say whatever you want because I do radio and you're trying to tweet this crap to me. I don't want to experience that in my life. And I'm chiseling my life into what I enjoy experiencing. It ain't that complicated, bro. I mean, I don't know why people are just, like, all butthurt about it. Uh, but there's Twitter for you. So the other thing real quick here in the block I wanted to throw out is I, I sent you this and it's, it's a weird, I didn't even know they did this, but apparently Thrillist and Thrillist is an online magazine that does a bunch of different lists and top tens and all this type of stuff. Well, they recently put out their third annual fasties, which are the third annual fast food award winners for a variety of different categories that Thrillist goes through and says are the best in the country. All right, I'm down. And I got to tell you, man, so the nominees 
for best breakfast at a fast food, Chick-fil-A, Jack in the Box, McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Wendy's. The winner. Well, hold on. Right off the top, you can eliminate Wendy's and uh taco bell taco you can you can take those off the top right away i mean wouldn't this be okay it's either chick-fil-a or mcdonald's i mean right i i would think so um before you before you reveal the winner uh do you have a chick-fil-a breakfast go-to yeah if i'm gonna go to chick-fil-a i get they just brought it back but i would get the spicy chicken biscuit and when they got rid of that i would just get the chicken biscuit and that's what i like they also have at chick-fil-a they have a grilled chicken bagel with egg on it which is fantastic and i get that well see before i used to get the grilled no i used to get the chicken they they weren't always grilling that bagel sandwich I used to get the chicken and egg bagel sandwich. It sounds funny, a piece of chicken and an egg. Keep the cheese on the bagel. And to me, with a little grape jelly, that, uh, or a little strawberry jam, that, uh, that, was a, that was a winner there. Have you got a McDonald's go-to? It's the Egg McMuffin. That's literally, like, that is the only thing I'll get there for any meal. Um, I used to do the breakfast burritos quite a bit. Uh, but over the last three, four, five years, I've been Egg McMuffin, no cheese. Occasionally... Did you know you could order an extra egg, Matt? I did not. Yeah, you can do. You can order the extra egg. It's only like a dollar, and that gives you a little bit of a protein bonus right there. But so. I like egg. It's a tasty treat. Uh, all right, now we've gone through that. Yes. The winner is the winner of the best breakfast at a fast food restaurant is Wendy's. See, I can't even take this thing. This is like PFF grade. I mean, who the hell thinks of Wendy's as a place to go get breakfast? But apparently that's kind of, they say that it launched, it's a huge breakfast menu that launched at the beginning of the pandemic. And that was the worst possible product launch time because people totally forgot about it. But it's an incredible breakfast lineup that's damn creative and delicious. The headliner is the breakfast baconator. They also have a maple bacon chicken croissant that they say is an absolute triumph. They have a honey butter chicken biscuit and a hot honey chicken biscuit. Dude, you're making me want to go there tomorrow morning, order all that shit, and then talk about it on Sunday. That's what I was saying. I was like, it has never crossed my mind to get breakfast at Wendy's. Never. Ever. Ever. Never. Like, I saw that and it blew my mind. I was like, this has got, like, what? Okay, Okay, let's just do that, Matt. I mean, we can afford 10 bucks at Wendy's. <laughs> Just do it between now and Thursday. But do we, we want got, to we eat it? Talk. That's the real question. Well, we, I mean, you're, we, we all know you. You're only going to take a couple of bites out of any of it anyway. That's true. So I would just bite it and chew it put, and spit put it, it out. On the, put it on the jam session account so you don't feel like you're spending your own money. <laughs> it's a business expense, and we'll just, we'll just leave it at that for business purposes. I mean, man. So they also have on here Best Coffee. And the nominees are Chick-fil-A, Culver's, McDonald's, Sonic Drive-In, and Wendy's. I mean, it's coffee. Dude, the winner for best coffee is Culver's. I've never even heard of Culver's. What is it? it I think there's one in Rockwall. Okay. Yeah, Culver's is frozen custard, butter burgers, and cheeseburgers. Never heard of Culver's. Yeah, there's a couple around here. Yeah, there's one in Rockwall. That's what I thought. I knew that was a Culver's. They also, Culver's won Best Cheeseburger for their Double Butter Burger with Cheese. It beat out Whataburger. It beat out In-N-Out. Really? Best they got four of them. Dude, Dallas, bro. Best Fried Chicken Sandwich. 
Bojangles, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, KFC, or Popeyes. The winner, the Burger King Chicken. Okay. I just don't believe any of these people. That's what I was saying. I just don't believe them. You're telling me a burger place has the best chicken sandwich. Okay, here's the deal, bro. The the deal is oh. I ain't I have never, ever, never seen cars wrapped around a building at any Burger King for any reason. For three months I saw them wrapped around a building for the Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, at the very least. Or chicken or, sandwich. Or every day at lunch for Chick-fil-A. Yes. So I'm just not buying that. See, it, That's it, just me, though. Right, and me too, but I've never had a chicken sandwich at Burger King because it's Burger King. I don't go to Burger King and go, oh, kick ass, you guys do chicken. <laughs> I'll try that. Yeah, let me get a burger at a Mexican place. That's like going to a donut store and you're like, oh, I'll have the grilled salmon. Yeah, bro, it's just not. Nah, and bro. then the other one that's going to blow sense. your mind, this will blow your mind. Best chicken nuggets, the nominees. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. We shouldn't even be having any Jack in the Box, McDonald's, no. Popeyes, or Arby's. And the if winner. You tell me Arby's, Matt. I'm just going to. The I'm winner for best podcast. chicken nuggets, Arby's Premium Chicken Nuggets. Arby's is a roast beef place. You're not just shaking my head. And I get they have the meats. But again, nobody listening to this podcast goes, oh, yeah, Arby's chicken, of course. That's <laughs> what I get when I go to Arby's. No, when you go to Arby's, you get the freaking roast beef. Bro. Nobody is ordering chicken at Arby's. Not one person. I'm surprised they haven't even canceled it from the menu. Nobody goes there and gets that. Unless you're like, oh, yeah, it? I go to Arby's five times a week. I got to change it up. I get the chicken nuggets. <laughs> What is the world coming to? I don't know, man. What are we doing? But I'm like, what the hell? Because it does make me want to try them. Because they literally say they're the real deal. In fact, they're the best chicken nuggets in all of fast food right now. My goodness. What are we doing? That's I would love to freaking know what we are doing. Because my mind is freaking blown. Yeah, it is. All right. So we need to move on because we've got to get into this Mavs conversation. And before we get into this Mavs conversation, we really need to tell you about our friends over there at Smokey John's Barbecue, because not only do they have that jam session bowl ready to go for you, but did you see that they are also offering a Mother's Day special? And people forget, because Mother's Day is coming up, I, I believe it's May 9th. I think that's true. Is May 9th right? Let me see real quick. Ha! It is May 8th. I was one day off. Yeah, it is right. Sunday, May 8th. Smokey right. John's is offering a Mother's Day pack. You get two pounds of brisket, one slab of ribs, one whole chicken, two half-gallon sides, one gallon of sweet tea or lemonade. They throw in the rolls. They throw in the barbecue sauce. All of that from Smokey John's is only $159.95. That will take care of whatever whatever Mother's Day party or, or Mother's Day gathering you're having for mom. That will take care of her and everybody else. It's available at Smokey John's, and you got to order it by Wednesday, May 4th. Dude, uh, did you hear a two pounds of brisket and one slab of ribs and a whole chicken? (laughs) That's a lot of food, bro. Yeah, and you're getting the best of all of it from Smokey John's because all that stuff at Smokey John's is fantastic. Dude, no, Smokey John's is fantastic, man. It doesn't matter whether you're – what you're getting. It's, It's all good. Anything you order on the menu is fantastic. But then if you shock the world and go to the 
secret menu, then that, mm-hmm. that's when you the other patrons look at you like, wow, this must be somebody special. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'd like the jam session special, please. So keep them in mind, man, for Mother's Day, when you're looking to, I mean, everybody's going to do something for mom, and a lot of you have family gatherings. Think of Smokey John's. You can find out more information at SmokeyJohns.com and get their number. You can order the Mother's Day pack at Smokey John's. All you got to do is jump online. You go to BlueStarMotorGroup.com and peruse for your own self what vehicle you would like. Then you call or you can text Deb, 817-881-4066. Say, hey, Deb, I was on the website. I saw this kick-ass 2017 Jeep Grand Cherokee, barely 22,000 miles for 60,000. Or maybe you fall in love with the new 2018 BMW X5 that they've got on there for less than 41000 They've got a brand new Cadillac Escalade on the website right now. Do they now? Yes. I mean, again, whatever it is that you've got your eye on, give them a call because they're going to want to work with you to find a deal where you both walk away happy. Dude, I mean, that's what Blue Star does. And as Matt has told y'all, and I've told you, I love the fact that you can find a car to fit every single solitary budget over there. Uh, whether it's buying your grandkid a car like I'm going to have to do in a few months, or whether it's a midlife crisis car like I've done in years past, they can fit whatever your budget is. Um, I love them for that. And then I also love the fact that Deb can make a deal. She doesn't have to talk to anybody. She can just go make it happen. And she's all about the win-win, baby. They both are. They want everybody smiling when a deal is done. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'll tell you this right now. They've got a 2019 Toyota Highlander XLE on here. It barely has 29,000 miles. They've got it for under 38,000. And I'll tell you, my brother had one of those cars for years and years. He had that car so long, I think he ended up putting like 250,000 miles on it. Really? Highlanders last and they're nice rides. So somebody out there in the listening audience, give them a call. Let them know you heard about them on Jam Session and they will make it happen. 817-881-4066 online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. The Dallas Mavericks are headed back to Utah. The Mavs have a three games to two lead because they absolutely slapped the hell out of the Utah Jazz last night. I mean, at one point they were up by 30 points in an NBA playoff game. Right. I mean, they annihilated the Utah Jazz last night. They did it in the first half when they held the Jazz to just 36 points. They held the Jazz. I believe they just had two three-pointers in the first half. An absolutely dominant defensive effort in the first half. And quite honestly, for the entire game, where the Jazz could just never get it going, and the Mavs end up winning by 25. Phenomenal performance, man. But I keep telling you, man, every time I watch them, I am just struck by the defensive intensity and effort it's just amazing to me because we've been told for so long they could not or would not play defense. And to see Jason Kidd's imprint on it and to see him take what was the best offense in the NBA, the best three-point shooting offense in terms of attempts and, and percentages it makes, and turn them into a unit that can't do anything close to what they do in the season is a testament to him and his coaching staff and the players getting after it. It's been a phenomenal performance, but they got to close it out. They got to close it out because keep in mind, everybody, they were up 3-2 last year against the Clippers and could not close it out. Now, they didn't have game seven at home, obviously, last year, but they will have game six in Utah. It is a 9 o'clock tip on Thursday night, so while the NBA draft, the NFL draft is going on, game six of the Mavs will be going on. But, man... You said this the other day, and it it still holds true. 
there has not been a single time in this series where it looked like or felt like Utah's the better team. This is not the Mavs last year, like, oh my God, I can't believe they're up on the Clippers. The Mavs are the better team. They should Mavs? win this series. Dude, it's, um, it's been evident to me. See, even the first game where they lost, that was a game decided in the last minute or two. And they lost, and they played a good game. They just happened not to win. And it happens in the playoffs. It happens in the NBA. Uh, but they've been the better team for much, much of the series, man. And now I think they believe. And the difference is last year, you still had to deal. Even when they went up 3-2, you still had to deal with um, your boy. Uh, I'm, I'm having my old man moment. Not Paul, but the other one. Kawhi uh, Leonard. Yes, Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard is a superstar, which means he can do like Luka. He can do superstar things that prevent you from winning. The Jazz don't have a superstar, unless you want to call Rudy Gobert a defensive superstar. But they don't have guys who single-handedly, you know, I mean, it's just the difference between a star and a superstar. Like Donovan Mitchell is a star, and you see the difference between a star and a superstar. Yeah. Dorian Finney-Smith has slowed him down considerably. He's getting his points. But he's getting them as a volume scorer most of the time, which is not efficient. You might have somebody like the cat from Miami who did that to Luca one night, but ain't nobody doing that to Luca at this point in his career over the course of a series. None. It, so that's the difference between a superstar and a star. Man, and, and you look at this with Utah, you realize Donovan Mitchell last night was minus 38 when he was on the floor. That's unbelievable. Minus 38, Donovan. And there were times last night where he looked completely disinterested. I mean, he looked like he just was done. One of this, not only just the game to be over, the series to be over. The Jazz as a team shot three of 30 from the three-point line. The Mavs, I mean, this is, in the way the Mavs are playing right now, and because they're capable of playing the level of defense for stretches that we've seen them play, I'm telling you, man, this is a Mavs team that can beat anybody because they, they're what, capable what, of playing defense like that. What are you saying, man? What are you saying, bro? What are you saying? I'm saying let's wait and see what happens, okay? But I'm also saying that just based on what we've seen from the Phoenix New Orleans series, I don't think it would be bizarre if New Orleans knocked off the Phoenix Suns. And if that happens, I mean we 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 could be looking at a at where the top two seeds in the West lose in the first round with Phoenix and Memphis. Well, I think what happens is, and I'm going to give Tim Cato some credit for this from The Athletic, is I read something he wrote sometime in the last week. And he was like, look at the Mavericks record in the second half of the season. And then look at the teams that they beat. And he's talking about Boston. and Basically, he's talking about they've beaten the best teams in the NBA in the second half of the season. And so there's no reason why you shouldn't think – that they can't compete with the best teams in the NBA because they've beaten them. Most of their losses have been to the worst teams or bad teams. You know, the Knicks got them twice. I think New Orleans yep. got them once. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff like that. He goes, so they can play with the best teams. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, are they playing their best basketball? And I'm telling you, man, because if the Mavs close this thing out on Thursday night, I especially with no Devin Booker, if he can't go, the Mavs are capable of beating Phoenix. And yeah, not, and I'm not convinced Phoenix gets past New Orleans. I think they will, just because I refuse to believe New Orleans can beat them. I think Phoenix will win it 4-2. Uh, 
but they've been stretched. And here's what it does to me. And I talk about this at various times. I think New Orleans winning two games, even though Booker's been out, removes a little bit of that cloak of invincibility. Sure. Around Phoenix, like, oh, my God, they're so much better than everybody else. You know, nobody can do anything with them. That's been ripped off, and now I think people believe that, hey, if we play great games, we can beat them. Yeah, and then you look at, I mean, Luka, you know, playoff Luka is just on a different level. I mean, he is some guy when the light shine the brightest, he just brings it. And he loves the moment, and he gets nasty. He had another huge double-double last night. I think he finished 33-13, and 13, I think, with like five, six assists, something like that. And then the fact that they've got Jalen Brunson backing him up. And Brunson is playing at a different level right now where, and you and I were talking about this earlier before we started recording, you kind of wonder, is is Jalen Brunson the guy that the, the Mavs have been missing? Well, I think he's, then that's a $64,000 question. Uh, because if so, you'd rather pay him than somebody else because he's homegrown. He plays a pivotal position point guard. Um, and it gives you uh, his game is fit for the way you want to play with Luca. He's another ball handler, another creator who's out on the court, which when they play together means you got two of those guys. The rest of everybody else can be spot up shooters. And now your offense is really, really functional. But if he's going to continue to play like this and if if you can if you decide that, yes, he's an 18 to 20 point a game score who has few turnovers, five or six assists a game plays you know 35 minutes a game bro you go ahead and open up the checkbook for that guy i mean you know he used to be four years for 80 now it looks like four years for 130 yeah i mean you're it's a minimum four for 100 for him minimum 25 a year and it'll be really interesting to see but we're talking about a guy in five games 24 41 31 23 24 in points and four total turnovers and the big thing to me, man, is when Luca went out, he stepped up and did the thing. He did. He did. And That's I w- what's important, man, because you got to understand the moment. Tim McMahon, our old buddy from ESPN who covers the Mavs, covers the NBA, he wrote a really in-depth article about Jalen Brunson and the Mavs going to have to negotiate with him and how that this whole offseason may look for Jalen dropped yesterday i'd encourage you guys to find it and read it because it is very insightful about Jalen. it's very interesting i mean his dad in here basically saying there's no hometown discount you know there, he's going to get paid and the fact that it seems like it kind of rubbed them the wrong way that the mavs did not sign him to an extension before this season and then in the middle of the year, they weren't willing to make the commitment when it was obvious that Jalen Brunson could be a starter and thrive. And part of the reason, because an extension would have handcuffed the Mavs from including him in a trade if one had materialized. So then what happened? Immediately after the trade deadline passed, they offered an extension. Finney Smith signed his. Brunson decided not to. And Brunson's dad, at the time, this is the, this is how they looked at it. He said, if they had done this in January, I thought, you know, he did enough. He deserves the extension. And I told him, hey, take the money, man. He wants security. He wants to live here. And the Mavs declined. He didn't turn shit down. Y'all just, y'all declined first. And then they came back and he said, hey, we're just going to finish out the season and we'll go from here. And it's going to cost If They can keep them. It cost the Mavs a fortune that it played out like this. 
Hey, that's the cost of doing business, man. There were there was risk taken on each side, and so um, you know the Mavericks came up snake eyes this time, or the river card wasn't what they wanted this time. Um, that happens, but Mark Cuban is a billionaire, right? I'm not in his pockets, but I'm in his pockets. Mm-hmm. He has told us for 20 years, winning is all that matters to me, baby. This is what I do. I want to win. Blah 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 blah. So I don't, this is just your boy here, don't give a damn about no luxury tax. Because that's really just a barometer to determine how much you want to win. Do you want to win enough to pay a little bit extra? The BK5 is like people, I mean, it's like if they bring, uh, they legalize weed in Texas. Okay, used to buy your weed on the corner from your weed guy. Hey, give me some of that good gas. Now you just go into a dispensary and get it, but they're going to tax the hell out of it. How much you want that weed? I want that weed enough to pay that, whatever the tax is going to be, $10 on every ounce or however they sell it. Uh, but I wanted that bad, so I'm going to pay it. You know, it's just how bad you want it, man. And I wouldn't let a young guy that I drafted like Brunson go. Yeah, I would want to do what it takes to keep him, especially if Dinwiddie's going to be hanging around because it feels like with those three, they've got something that really works. And if you have to be more of a defensive team, that's fine. But just the fact that whatever they've done since they've acquired Dinwiddie and since Brunson's gotten more, I mean, he averaged like 32 minutes a game this year. They're obviously one of the better teams in the NBA right now. And and I like what we're, we're seeing. They, they've got a real shot Bro. to make a run here. Bro, if I'm Mark Cuban, I look at this roster and I think about all the fuck-ups I've had since the championship. Yeah. And I go, I don't even have to – this thing will this thing will take care of itself. Let me sign Brunson. Let me get Dinwiddie. I mean, Dinwiddie's here for another couple of years. Everybody else is a 3 and D replaceable kind of guy who fits in well. They can go win 55 games next year, and they can go be a contender for the next two or three years with this kind of core. It looks like to me, because Luka is the super-duper star, and if Brunson's going to evolve into this guy, Dude, yeah, I mean, it's it's good, brother. Yeah, you might have a little something, but first things first, Thursday night, close it out. Just close it out and, and send Utah into the offseason, head back, advance to the second round, and we'll see who it'll be, either Phoenix or New Orleans in the second round. And, and again, with the way they're playing, it's hard not to get excited. I had no expect. All I wanted was a first round playoff series win, and they're on the brink of getting that. But it's hard not to get excited with the way they're playing. <laughs> that there could be so much more, and then sometimes it goes. You know what? There's no dominant team in the NBA this year. Phoenix was about as dominant as it gets, and if it's not going to be Phoenix, honestly, why couldn't it be anybody else? No, it can be, bro. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm not one for hyperbole, but you can look at the Mavericks and see the way that they're playing. And just go like, they're playing really good ball. Even when they lose. I mean, they lost 100 to 99 the other night. They blew four-point lead in the last 39 seconds. Again, you lose sometimes. It happens in the NBA playoffs. But, um, dude, they just look like a really good team right now. And the key to me, I ain't breaking no news here. It's Brunson. He's elevated his game. And that's helped the team elevate their game. Because this whole, yeah, we're going to take all these threes. But now, because you got to guard those, you got Luca and you got Brunson who can attack the middle. Then Witty too, get into the lane, and now there's nobody there. They're just one on one making shots. It's uh, 
it's a really good formula right now. It is indeed. So we will talk again later this week. Again, as we wrap this up, remember, we are going to have our thoughts on round one, whatever the Cowboys do, and looking ahead to rounds two and three that will be available for you on Friday morning. It'll just be a little later than you normally are getting it if you're one of our morning podcast listeners. So just be aware it won't be there super early on Friday morning, but we'll have it for you. And then, of course, we'll have next week looking at the entirety of the draft and where the Cowboys sit as we move into the NFL draft. So make a note of that, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.